I got into comics in 1972 when I discovered Jack Kirby comics, and I didn't even like them that well, but they were so weird that I kept throwing down my coinage, and his writing is just so wrong. It's perfect. You can fathom it. But then later, when I got older, and I actually studied art a little bit, it suddenly clicked. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I'm so glad I did all this work. But it like took me a good you know, eight years of sticking with it before I realized that Kirby was as good as he was. And I actually got to meet Jack Kirby in 1974 and I still have his autograph. Ooh. And we went to, we were in San Diego for the summer and they always had the comic convention there. And um, for my birthday, my stepfather took me to the convention and then I heard a couple of hippies going, look, it's Jack Kirby. And my stepfather's like, Derek, he's the one of the men you admire, is it not? And I was like, oh my God, no, please. So he marched me out to Jack Kirby and goes, Mr. Kirby, my son is a big fan of yours. <laughs> and I was so fucking humiliated. It's awesome. Kirby, of course, was like the nicest guy. So he signed one of these things that I had bought. Have I ever been to one comic book convention type thing? And uh, I went with my friends. I didn't buy or read comic books. Yeah. But they wanted to go. And uh, it was uh, Todd McFarlane. It was oh, a yeah. height of Spawn, right? Yep. And I actually had some early Spawn comics randomly that I got my hands on. I had him sign those. I've lost them since. Oh, dear. I know. But I also, fuck, what was that called? Uh, some, some other comic for the, the people that did like uh, the Evil Ernie comics. Yeah. Yeah. So I got their signatures too. And I had all that crap. And I remember girls dressed up like. Oh, yeah. Cosplay. Yeah. yeah. You know, my young 12, right? You were 12? Yeah. Oh. I saw some woman's pubic hair. On the sales floor? Because her cosplay. Oh, yeah. Cosplay slipped. Yeah. I didn't really care that much about comic books, but I thought Spawn had cool stuff. Tom McFarlane's from here too. Is it yeah. Right? So. He's good. He's... Well, he uh, he got his, his bones doing Spider Man. Yeah, they didn't like it because he would do the big, ridiculous, like. Well, he was hugely popular. and then But he didn't like working for Marvel right. because he was bringing too much to the table and was being treated like, uh, you know, work for higher shit. So him and a few of his other started their own, right? They started Image, Image, which is the only company that really had the staying it's still it's basically the, the big three now oh, yeah and he also just made a buttload off of like the toys 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 were cool yeah they looked good yeah and i remember i had a spawn toy too he's actually he's not from here he's from canada but he well, moved he here, here yeah no, i watched the whole thing like, about him he's an interesting dude did they mention jim lee in it because yeah. jim lee was his partner oh, yeah. jim's coming to the comic convention in this summer here in arizona oh, la, la. so many people at this event i guess the phoenix convention in july has ended up becoming a pretty big thing we went to one one of those uh july conventions in phoenix probably five years ago because a co-worker of my wife's her daughter is a manga artist so she had a little table so we went right she met uh don rosa he was like the uncle scrooge artist of the time and i got to see neil adams who's one of the great comic book artists but it's one of those deals where he's massive and it's like well you know if you give me ten dollars i'll give you a signature don rosa was just standing there happy to meet people but neil adams you had to give him money if you wanted to signature. So i just took a few uh, pictures of him from afar couldn't get me to pay for his signature for no anybody. not even for jack kirby nah i paid for that crap if nothing else these famous people they're always surrounded by fanboy creeps oh yeah and uh, or worse chicks who are showing their pubic hair to them right Right now, I've been reading these really creepy knockoff grade Z horror comics from the 50s after World War II, because that was when a might makes right, and we believed right. that strong humans should, should beat other people up. Right, right. Superheroes stopped being popular, and uh, then Westerns became popular, romance, and crime comics became popular. And that was the greatest thing, because suddenly all these dudes that came back from World War II, they got the comics bug because uh, the State Department was shoving these superhero propaganda comics down their throats. And now they're reading crime comics about how great it is to find ways to commit crimes to get your money. <laughs> and it's ostensibly, crime does not pay, but it's only about the glamour right. of the lifestyle. Right, right. And they got real anti-establishment and very gory, because it'd always be like, ha, 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 I killed you <laughs> die you asshole and then of course horror comics became popular and then it became horrific but what you see is you get these comics that start out as romance comics become crime comics and then become horror comics because of the way the postal laws work if you would just change the topic of the comic rather than starting a new one you wouldn't have to get a new permit and right, spend be, yeah. all this money so i was reading this one crime comic which starts with like you double cross me so i'm gonna gouge your eyes out with a broken bottle on the cover or <laughs> ha, ha, ha i killed my boyfriend and look there's a big knife sticking out of his neck and his face is colored green and then finally <laughs> the last one is this dude he's shoving a woman's corpse down a manhole cover amazing but he's He's beheaded her and he's trying to shove him down a manhole cover but the police have 
caught him and he's being illuminated by their headlights. So it's like, oh no, I'm caught disposing of this woman's body that I've mutilated. And it's right there on the cover of this comic book with her headless body and her head. And the next issue, they went out of business because right. it's just so fucking gory. It's my favorite shit. Yes. The drawings inside are so crude and the stories are so... The only reason we're having it here is to give children nightmares. Like there's one comic about this horrific snake that comes out of a guy's eye. And there's all these drawings of this guy going, oh no, there's a snake coming out of my eye. And just <laughs> trying to imagine, you know, you were born too late. Uh, to know how sheltered a young person could actually be and were, say, 12 when these comics were coming out. Oh, yeah, man. VCRs were around by the time. Yeah, I, you I could watch a whole different fucking... You could, you could watch your parents' shit porn. <laughs> but obviously, it caused a huge backlash and suddenly distributors were, like, returning these comics unopened, saying, yeah, we're not selling this stuff anymore. And there were, like, government um, inquiries into it and uh, they decided that these comics uh, caused juvenile delinquency and stuff like that. So right. like, all these people lost their jobs uh -oh. and censorship, you know, left-wing censorship, kind of like the censorship we have now. Yes. You can't do it anymore. When I was a teenager, I remember there's this comic called Schizo, the most hateful shit ever. There's this one, it's just like a little short panel, and it's called Grandpa Needs Dildos. I don't even remember the premise, but at the end, there's like a photo of the grandpa, and he's got like pieces of his skin sliced open and like dildos them and dildos all over him. He's like a leather daddy, and it's just that leads to juvenile delinquency. A lot of that stuff, you know, when you were a kid, people would print this stuff out for adults only and sell oh, it. Pre internet they, stuff. Right, that's what I mean. Right. Now you can find porn on the internet if you're two, and you can also find cartoons that people are trying to like put out there because um, it's no longer viable to print it out and sell it on paper. Right. But a lot of these cartoonists are telling the stories of their sad upbringing, and it's fine. And some of it's really good, but it's supposed to be supportive rather than burn it all down nihilistic cartoons, <laughs> which is what we came up enjoying. And um, it's just a different thing. You know what? I'm glad that I got to uh, to see this stuff because of you guys and because of my mom where she worked at impact yep and you can have all the alternative press stuff. cool magazines right the cool comics the weird shit like the tapes like that would get dubbed and passed around all over like yep. shut up little man and stuff like that yep. or any of that sort of stuff and i got to see so much of that as a kid and it was so fucking cool because it was just way cooler than anything else that i was getting fed as a kid right the simpsons was funny ish ren and stimpy was pretty far out Cindy Lauper had a few good songs, yeah. but then you pull back a few more layers of the onion and you realize that there are videotapes on the top shelf of your parents' closet. <laughs> Another thing that I was reading about recently was like in, in the 90s, like Showtime used to be adult oh, yeah. content and they had shows like The Red Shoe Diaries. I remember Red Shoe Diaries. Dude, Red Shoe Diaries, you're talking about my preteen formative masturbatory fodder. Yep. Like we're talking, when we moved into the big house in Mesa when I was 12, you know, I had my own TV in my room and like, but I had my own VCR and I had cable in my room. <laughs> wow. Premium cable. Yep. Oh shit, real sex, Red Shoe Diaries, all that stuff. Oh man, because this was shortly before I graduated to getting teenage hands on real pornography. Right. I remember the name Red Shoe Diaries. I never watched it. I certainly did not watch television in the 90s. Totally fake soft porn. Yeah. It was supposed to be about the exploration of women's I fantasies. Saw movies. Right. But here's the point I want to make about all this. You can't find that show anymore. In the 90s, that was considered frank and new. Even Beverly Hills 90210, those two teenagers on the show. The first right, season, they right. both lost their virginity. Right. Now you can't even see the Red Shoe Diaries. It's not available. It's a damn shame. I never saw it. It doesn't sound like I want to. It had that David Duchovny in it. You're right. He was the guy. He was the guy. David Duchovny. So I don't know if it was Red Shoe Diaries, but it was something like that. There was this one where this lady, she's writing someone like it's a, a diary maybe no she's like a pen pal that she doesn't know and it's yeah. this guy says that like he's writing from this prison yeah. so she keeps having all these fantasies about like having sex with this like hardened criminal in a jail cell and then he like sends her this letter saying that he's gonna come visit her because he won't be at the prison so she gets terrified turns out he's the warden and he's handsome and she comes to her house <laughs> and they make love are boobs shown there was boobies shown and i remember even at that age i was like jesus this is so fucking stupid i was like this is what people need to like twist their fucking knob like i had a friend who lived in new york around that time and he used to send me videotapes of public access in new york I'm sure you've seen some of this stuff. Oh, it's yeah. Al Goldstein's screw TV show, Robin Bird, who used to have like amateurs come in and dance nude on the show right, and stuff right. like that. And um, certain, you know, pro censorship people like this should be scrambled and you should have to pay to have it unscrambled. Right. And they're like, no way. You have to pay to scramble it. This is the First Amendment shit. So there was all this crazy stuff in the 90s that now it's just like, no, Al Goldstein is a communist fascist Nazi or whatever they call people they want to censor nowadays. <laughs> Another guy um, who I really keyed into, James Elroy. Ooh, why do I know that name? You remember the movie LA Confidential? Yeah. He's a guy who wrote books exploring the dark underbelly of LA police corruption right, okay, okay. and also the streams that led to the Kennedy assassination and Watergate and all this stuff. He also did a book about the Black Dahlia. He 
was really fascinated Ooh, with. Black Dahlia murder. He came up as a real misanthrope because his mother was murdered shortly after his parents were divorced and his father was like a bottom feeder who used to be a hanger on for uh, Rita Hayworth. <laughs> he wound up becoming a drunk for a while. He was a Nazi. Ooh. He was so angry that he used to go to the Jewish high school and spout Nazi stuff and get his ass kicked and stuff like that. Just somebody who really needed to act out. Yes. And he became homeless and this went on 10, 15 years until he finally managed to pull himself out of it. Became a writer of the most hard-boiled fiction. And I heard about it. We were on tour with a band called 11th Dream Day and I became friends with their drummer and she gave me one of his books which is about a serial killer. And then I, I saw an article in Spin Magazine that Kim Gordon wrote about this guy's writing and I began to read his stuff and I still follow it. But either way, he's another guy who a lot of people couldn't stand his work because he would tell stories about the way the cops were and he would use their homophobic, racist, sexist slang. What cops are he talking about? Yeah. Because the cops I know about. The cops that I have sex with are really nice fellas. Um, <laughs> Every once in a while, they give me a choice. 